Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. We're reviewing past rookie scouting indexes on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. So, Matt, with no sports going on, it looks like you have been trying to find other things to write about to pump out content. Tell us what you've been working on. Yeah, so at Action, uh, I've just been doing, uh, you know, like uh, one to two articles per day on NFL draft props. Uh, I mean, thank the uh, football gods that that is uh, very much in my wheelhouse and something I would be planning (laughs) to do anyway. Uh, And that's kind of like the one thing that uh, sports books are still consistently taking money on. So, uh, you know, can write about that. But then also, you know, just like personally writing about, uh, you know, other things that just kind of pop up. Uh, you know, I listen to some finance podcasts and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, the coronavirus situation, if there's something that just kind of pops into my head based on something I've read or listened to, then I'll just write a, a blog post on that. Nice. Uh, finance podcast that, that you listen to, give us your, your top one or two, maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, it's funny. So like the, the, I say it's funny. It's, it's not really all that funny, but, um, like a lot of the ones I listen to are, um, kind of just basic news podcasts, um, that have some overlap with, uh, with money stuff. But, uh, NY, uh, sorry, New York times, the daily, um, is yep. I think a, a pretty good one. Um, and then I also like, uh, NPR's, uh, money talks. I think that's what it's called. Um, Planet Money. Sorry, Planet Money. Okay. Uh, those are ones that I listen to pretty consistently, but really, like, I, I listen to a ton of them. I listen to Post Reports uh, from Washington Post, listen to uh, Money Talks. That, that's from The Economist. Um, there's right. There's yep. a, a Morgan Stanley podcast I listen to, um, Invest Like the Best. There's, I mean, at this point, like I'm listening to more finance podcasts than sports podcasts, which uh, just kind of makes sense given uh, that there really aren't any uh, sports podcasts uh, that need to be listened to right now. Yep. Um, so the lights in my house, as Matt and I are recording this, I'm in the middle of a tremendous uh, storm out here. Hail, lightning, thunder, you name it. The lights have flickered. So if you lose me, I will send you a text, Matt, not that the listener or, or you know what? The listeners might even just get a truncated podcast. Who knows? In any event, though, we better uh, press on here. I had a good follow up on the podcast there. Oh, actually, I'm going to ask it anyways for my own curiosity. Yeah. What are you doing when you consume these? Because like I'll be doing work and stuff lots of times when I'm listening to a podcast, but I'm working with numbers. So it's kind of easier to have part of my mind on the numbers, part of my mind on the words for you. I'd imagine it would be tough to be writing or editing while you're listening. So do you yeah. do this in your spare time uh, or how do you listen? To yeah. Them? Um, 
by the way, I should just say a, a couple more. Uh, top of mind from Goldman Sachs. Uh, thoughts on the market from Morgan Stanley. That's actually a really good one. Thoughts on the market because mm-hmm. it's uh, only about you know like three to seven minutes long, uh, and yep. uh, they are pretty sharp. Um, they were kind of calling for uh, caution about the market before a lot of other places were, uh, and then also uh, Wall Street Journal has several different podcasts. Uh, but one I listen to always is the minute briefing. And that's like literally like a one to two minute podcast three times a day, uh, just kind of updating stuff, uh, on the news. And so, uh, that gives, I think like a a really good quick synopsis of, you know, like, Hey, employment numbers are this, you know? So anyway, like what I'm doing when I'm listening to this, uh, yeah, not, not writing, uh, not editing, nothing like that. So it'll be, uh, you know, like taking the dog out, uh, like doing dishes, you know, just like anytime I have the opportunity to step away from the computer, I will just turn a podcast on, even if it's just for, you know, like two or three minutes, because I'm also listening at two X speed. So it's like five to six minutes that I get. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder how many people out there. I actually have gotten messages since I talked about it one time about doing audio or like audio books, even like text to speech books and podcasts at the speed. Somebody told me that they now listen to our show always on the fast speed and that it's it's almost changed their life how much more content they can get through. So anyway, uh, we've we've hit on those items. What we're going to talk about uh, on the episodes this week are the rookie scouting index at Rotoviz. Uh, shortened lost times to the RSI. And what we do here is we collect data from a variety of more traditional scouting outlets, you know, the film watchers, uh, the real, you know, strong football community, not so much the analytics community. And what we're doing is looking at five or six different sources, seeing how they rank these players. I then pull all of that data in, normalize it, come up with a score, and we get a sense of, and it's really useful too, I think, for trying to anticipate draft position for players because lots of times the scouts are going to be more in line with what the teams are looking for than the analytics community. And then what we like to do is compare and contrast that with the rankings that we have up on the site with you know what the people that are looking more at the college metrics are saying. Uh, so what I wanted to do in this episode was look back at the RSI from 17, 18, and 19, kind of review how well the RSI did in predicting the performance of those players and then also use this as an opportunity to consider some players that perhaps looked like great prospects coming out of school, things haven't worked out for them yet, uh, and then evaluate if they do still have a chance or at this point we kind of rule them as, you know, washed out of the league. Sound good, Matt? All right. So before we get into that, why don't we just jump into a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online, right now? With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on. As Matt just pointed out, there are a ton of things you can bet on related to the NFL draft, or you can let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. 
They are all open 24 hours a day. It's all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Okay, Matt. In 2017, a wide receiver named Corey Davis was the highest ranked player in the RSI. Things have, have gone all right for him. You know, not a slam dunk, but it's been okay. What are you talking about? I think it's I think it's been really bad for Corey Davis. Like where <laughs> yeah. was he where was he drafted? Like uh Actually it was really high. Yeah, I mean what it wasn't top five, was it? Or or was it actually top five? Was he yes, he was the number fifth pick. Things have gone horrible for Corey Davis. Okay. Um he's not the number one receiver on his team. He's yet to have uh a thousand yards receiving. Um I don't think he's going to have his fifth year option picked up. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of like the guy he is sort of similar to in terms of production, like uh, Jonathan Baldwin back in the day. I mean, like it's I don't think it's been good. Okay, well, actually, yeah, I guess in that perspective. Yeah. You know what? I'm I'm completely off base there. It has been terrible. Um, 2018 went all right. An overall PPR rank of 29. Some of that might have been the fact that he did play 16 games. 2018 was promising, right? Like what, yeah. what has been really disappointing is 2019. Like if he had built on 2018, like if he had gotten, you know, 1100 yards and six touchdowns, we would be like, okay, maybe he's not going to be a star, but he's going to be a really competent, steady receiver in this league. But that's like not what we've seen at all. Okay, so you're saying my um, optimism for Corey Davis is entirely misguided. Well, I'm just saying it's based on 2018 and the the failure for him to do anything in 2019 is really damning. Like he's entering his fourth year and he's like clearly not the guy on his team. Like he's probably not going to have a, a breakout season. See, I I think that with A.J. Brown being as good as he can be, it's actually going to open things up and we're going to see Corey Davis emerge as like a wide receiver three, which no, I guess for, for a player that went fifth, that you know, not, it's out of, out of the realm of possibility. It's not, it's not that it's out of the realm. It's just um, they're a run-heavy team and yep. A.J. Brown is going to soak up the targets. So even if Corey Davis is efficient, I don't think there are going to be enough targets directed his way for him to um to be a consistent producer. And that was that was the problem last year. He played in 15 games but he had only 69 targets. Like that's just not enough. Yeah. All right, I'll I'll concede I'll concede on that one. So what what about Mike Williams? I think this might be a a harder one to really nail down. <laughs> this who... is No, it's not harder. <laughs> it's it's not at all harder. Like like Mike Williams is way more promising than Corey Davis. And you could, you could get there by a couple of ways. One, you could just look at their draft positions this year. Um, Like in redraft leagues, Mike Williams is someone, even though his quarterback situation is unsettled, like he's still an upside pick. Like, I don't think anyone is really thinking of Corey Davis as an upside pick, but you know, Mike Williams, 
uh, I think there is reason to be enthusiastic about him. Like if you, if you compare him to Corey Davis, Corey Davis in 2018 had uh, eight yards per target, 8.7 yards per target last year, but just 7.6 for his career. Mike Williams, like people are anchoring too much on his first season when he was playing basically through a broken back. But if you take away his first year, he's actually been pretty decent. He had 11 yeah. touchdowns in his second season, 10.1 yards per target, and then elevated that to 11.1 yards per target last year. Now, he only had two touchdowns. Okay, that's horrible, but we know he is a like a a quote-unquote touchdown score. Like we know he can do that because he did it the year before and he did it in college. He's good on a yardage per target basis. He's already had at least one season with a thousand yards from scrimmage. And he did that in only 15 games. Like Corey Davis wishes he had gotten a thousand yards in a season. Like Mike, (laughs) Mike Williams is uh, far better in terms of like his positioning for what we should expect out of him for the future than Corey Davis is. Okay. Yeah, that's entirely fair. So um, this is where it gets kind of interesting though. Once we start looking at the running backs in this class, you know, it kind of really changes things because you have Leonard Fournette ranking in as the top rated running back in the class. He was number three overall. I think you have to rule that uh, Fournette has been a, you know, a pretty solid pick based upon um, everything that we've seen so far, right? Now I'm now I'm not sure if you're going to entirely disagree with me. No, I I mean yeah, Fournette has um I mean he dealt with injury issues and you know like suspended for a game. Like there've been like some weird Fournette things, especially like the first 2 years, but um he's still been <coughs> Sorry about that. He's still been productive yep. on a per game basis and uh I mean last year he had 100 targets. You know, that's like he's been way better in the receiving game than anyone would have expected. And I think like at Rotoviz, like there was still some enthusiasm for him in general as a receiver because he actually was pretty decent uh, as a pass catcher his final season in college. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything to be um, annoyed with Leonard Fournette about. Like it is annoying that he scored only three touchdowns last year, but that's just like that's very circumstantial. That's something that shakes out. You know, like the big thing is that he's getting the touches, uh, he's getting lots of carries, and he's really, uh, you know, much better in the receiving game than anyone would have anticipated. Yep. Um, Popping back to receiver, the fourth ranked player was John Ross, um, who... When you get when you move down this list, actually, let's kind of go through this down in order, and then you can pick on the players that you feel like it. So after Corey Davis, Mike Williams, it went John Ross, Zay Jones, then Juju Smith-Schuster, then Cooper Cup, Carlos Henderson, Chris Godwin, Curtis Samuel, Isaiah Ford. So definitely some uh, definitely some misses in there with Schuster, Cup, and then obviously Godwin down towards the bottom. Yeah, I mean, okay, John Ross still intrigues me. In fact, I would I would say. I would actually rather, this is probably ridiculous, but I don't oh, think God. it is. I would rather have John Ross than Corey Davis. Um, you know what? I can understand where you're coming from that from with that, because we have seen a couple of flashes of brilliance, if you will, unlike we've seen with Corey Davis. Um, okay, like Corey, Corey, Dav- all right. John Ross had 510 yards from scrimmage last year in eight games. Like you prorate that and it's like, you know what? That's actually not that bad. That's a thousand yard season. And now he's going to play with Joe Burrow. He's, you know, he's going to be a guy who uh, I think has the opportunity to exploit defenses 
because he's not going to be the focus, but he's still going to be playing in a team that could pass the ball quite a bit. So I don't know. Like I'm, I'm much more interested in John Ross than Corey Davis. Reminder on John Ross draft pick nine. So man, he went early, huh? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you think you have someone who might be like Tyreek Hill. And like, yeah, I mean, it's not to say he actually has that skill set, but you know, like in college, he was actually really dynamic and he's obviously a really explosive player. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. So I, I think Carlos Henderson, um, you know, we're probably not going to see too much from Zay Jones, I, I'm assuming that you're kind of on the board. The fact that, you know, I'm not going to hear too no, much more from Zay yeah, Jones. He, I guess it's he's, possible. He's but, done. He's gone. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, Chris Godwin, we know about Curtis Samuel. Let's actually talk about Samuel because I do think that um, it's kind of a curious situation we find with him heading into 2020. New quarterback in Carolina. Robbie Anderson is now in town. Obviously, there's DJ Moore. Christian McCaffrey's on that roster. What's it, the outlook look like for Samuel? Is he going to get lost in this offense? Do you think it can support him? All right. Would you rather have Curtis Samuel or Corey Davis? Mm. I actually think at this point I'd rather have Corey Davis. No. <laughs> I mean, okay. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I would rather have Curtis Samuel. You know, like, okay. uh, I, think he's, I think he's been more consistent. Uh, I think they actually want to get him the ball. Whereas like with Corey Davis, I don't think they want to get him the ball. Like, I don't think that's a priority for the team. Um, you know, the thing in Carolina is they might just have too many guys who are actually good, you know, like Mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey, they, they need to get him the ball a lot. And the same with DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel is Percy Harvin, where like, if you get him the ball, he can make some exciting things happen, but it's maybe not like quite the priority to get him the ball. But I would still rather have him, you know, uh, 757 yards last year, seven touchdowns like he could potentially build on that this year. And, um, you know, I think the problem last year was that and, and I think this is worth keeping in mind. One, he was playing with a backup quarterback for most of the season. And then two, I think he was being misused as a you know kind of deep ball wide receiver. And like, yep. I think he can do that, but I think he's much better uh if he's in the slot and playing closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, and that I think is how they will probably use him now that they have Robbie Anderson to be the field stretcher, uh, you know, DJ Moore to kind of be the all around uh, playmaker. And then Curtis Samuel to be the guy who plays more in the slot. So uh, I think this actually could be a good thing having Robbie Anderson there. Uh, cause it, it gives Curtis Samuel the opportunity to do something different in the offense. And then, uh, you know, with Teddy Bridgewater there, Bridgewater doesn't go down the field. He, uh, you know, has yeah. a very short a dot. And so I think that plays to Curtis Samuel's strengths and, uh, Bridgewater is one of the more accurate passers in the league. Uh, actually one of the most accurate passers in the league in part because he's not throwing down the field. So I think that right. also benefits Curtis Samuel. Okay, uh, the final question I will ask you on Carolina, and I'm sure you haven't really delved into this too much, but uh, if you had to split out a hundred, you know, that whole target share, all 100%, roughly where do you have more Anderson and Samuel landing in that equation? Yeah, I, I honestly, I haven't thought about it. Uh, I'm, okay, I'm still going to be pretty optimistic on DJ Moore, and I would say... Um, like north of 20% uh, 
and probably like in the 22 to 25 percent bucket got it okay um popping back to the running backs i'm just going to read down this list because it actually is like a stacked class so i have to say that um actually putting these backs in the right order probably would have been pretty hard. So behind Fournette, you had Dalvin Cook, then Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Donta Foreman, Joe Mixon, Wayne Gallman. Um, so I would say that that's actually a decent job in ranking those players there. Now, keep in mind, a lot of this was before, or actually, I shouldn't say a lot of this, the list that I'm reading were created before the draft had taken place, which naturally for some of these backs plays into it. But we don't have Gallman too high. Um, Foreman. I think injuries certainly played a big role in his failing to amount to anything in a fantasy or a, you know, more or less real life perspective. But uh, what do you think of that list? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely part of it uh, for Foreman. Um, you know, I'll, I mean, yeah, the injury played a part. Um, he wasn't also much of a receiving back entering the league either. So kind of hard to know how he would have fit in. But um, yeah, this was a class that I liked a lot when it was. Uh, when it was entering the league, um, you know, Kamara, uh, had a lot of talent entering the draft and, you know, he slipped to the third round. Um, Joe Mixon was a guy who I think could have been a potential first rounder if not for off the field issues. Um, you know, but then after that, I think it falls off pretty quickly, but like anytime you have a class where you can get like four pretty good running backs, like high end starters, um, that's really good. And also, yeah, I guess there were five here when I was thinking yeah, about five. Dalvin cook. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, yep. that's a really good class. Right. So that one, there's really not too much that we can dissect on there. Let's take a quick look though at the quarterback. So they had Deshaun Watson, you know, with what he's done and how he's looking, you really can't complain that Trubisky at two Deshaun Kaiser ahead of Patrick Mahomes. That's not a good look. No, that's great. Uh, yeah. Horrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, nothing really much to say. Um, I, I mean, I was always pessimistic about Trubisky because he had just the one season of uh, starting, uh, you know, production. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, Watson, there was, uh, remember there was all that talk about like his arm strength, like he had a weak arm. Like I never thought right. that mattered. Um, you know, like in part for two reasons. One, because like he, he fits kind of like the prototype of the running quarterback and the running quarterbacks with weaker arms that we've seen, um, like Tyrod Taylor and Dak Prescott, like whenever those guys have gotten a chance to start, uh, they've done well. Uh, and then also, you know, like we have examples of older quarterbacks who have weak arms and as long as they can still throw with anticipation, like in accuracy, the arm strength really doesn't matter. They just kind of learn how to compensate for it. Um, you know, like Peyton Manning when he was in Denver. So, you know, the arm strength issue with Deshaun Watson wasn't something that bothered me. Um, I think it it made sense at the time <laughs> for him to be the yep. number one quarterback in the class. And, you know, like if if we had to adjust it again, like, you know, you can never predict that Patrick Mahomes is going to become like, basically a hall of famer by the time he's done with his third season. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. Like Watson and Mahomes as the top two guys in that class, like that's really strong. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting that you bring up the, uh, velocity. I, I think Watson was like a bottom five percentile, maybe like even lower. Uh, I remember when we were talking about Lamar Jackson 
after um, you know his throwing leading up to being drafted. And I was kind of concerned about it too. And you, you stated back then, which I think now after having looked into it more is correct. You know, you really can't read too much into the throw velocity as long as the player is able to throw an NFL type pass, which generally with these quarterbacks we're looking at, they definitely can do. Uh, Almost running out of time here, but let's consider these tight ends. So OJ Howard actually was ranked fifth overall in the RSI at tight end, followed by David Njoku, Evan Engram, and Bucky Hodges as the notable tight ends. <sighs> I, I, I mean... And Joku still hasn't really hit. Engram probably is the player that it should have been here, but I wonder how much of that is just landing in the right situation. You had that season for Engram where pretty much every receiver on the Giants was out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Engram, obviously, he's uh, a skilled player. I don't know. Like, I'm still, I'm still naively optimistic about OJ Howard and even David and Joku. Yeah. Like, not for what he has with the Browns. Like, I think he's going to be stuck on the Browns this year. Uh, and then he'll probably be released or something like that, or like they won't pick up his fifth year option. And then honestly, I'll be intrigued, uh, you know, in terms of like his second team. Like, uh, I think he could have an Eric Ebron type of renaissance, you know, cause like he's still young. Uh, you know, he still has, has shown that he's a decent touchdown scorer. Like I'm, I'm still interested in these guys, especially because it historically takes, uh, tight ends a while to produce. Yeah. And, um, Go to the Combine Explorer and look at how David Njoku and O.J. Howard fared at the Combine. I mean, they were absolutely ridiculous, so athletically skilled that it's really hard to give up on them. And of course, being tight ends, it only helps. Actually, Evan Engram, too, I'm pulling that up. Oh, my yeah, God, I'll, what a tight yeah, end class, Yeah, this was a man. fantastic tight end class. Yeah, so I think that there's still time for those guys to develop. And, um, and also, also like, Howard, okay, think about this, like... Um, Johnny Smith was also in that class, and so was Ian Thomas. Oh like, my god! And actually, that's right. No, no, no. no. Uh, was um, they're entering their third year. Was um, Kittle was in this class too, right? Um, let me confirm that. Uh, cause then that's a big miss here, <laughs> right? Uh, 2013, 2016. So he would have been 2017. Yeah, you're right. Oh my god! Sir. Yeah, well, I mean, Kittle went in the fifth round. You know, like. Yep. This was a loaded tight end class. Yeah. Um, so clearly you'd have Kittle above there. But um, right now, out of Howard and Joku and Engram, I have to assume that uh, from a dynasty perspective, you would still be ranking Engram higher than Howard and Joku. Yeah, I would be. Yeah. Okay. What about between Howard and Njoku? I think, well, I've got to go. I know we talked. I've got to go with Howard, but um, Howard. Yeah, I know that yeah. we talked about Tom Brady last week, but but I don't know if we focus too much on how this might impact Howard. Do you think, given what we've seen Brady do with tight ends in the past, that that might allow him to utilize Howard in a way that works, or is that kind of an assumption that we can't make? No, I mean it might. I think it's more based on like Howard and just his development as opposed to anything that Brady you know, sort of inherently does with tight ends. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm still optimistic on Howard. Uh, I have to give him the edge over Njoku because I assume at least that like Howard is going to be out there running routes most of the time. And I honestly don't think that's going to be the case with Njoku this year. Yeah, I don't see how it can be. Um, so Howard is definitely positioned better. Anyways, we're going to, uh, get right into 2019 and 2018 in the second episode 
this week, unless you had any closing thoughts uh, related to 17 that you wanted to mention. Nope, let's do it. All right, that does it for this episode. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at MattFTheOracle. Thanks to Bet Online for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. <laughs> <laughs>